0: Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Shane Murphy. Shane is the CEO of Owner. That's O-W-N-R, Owner without the E. An all-in-one digital platform that helps small businesses streamline, automate, and generally simplify their ongoing legal compliance needs. Through Owner, Shane wants to help you start, manage, and grow your own business, just like he did and he should know because he's both an entrepreneur and a recovering lawyer. Welcome, Shane, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Hey, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's really uh, fun to speak with you. So first of all,
1: how am I? I'm doing great today. Thanks for asking. Where am I? Is I'm, uh, I'm at home today, uh, working from home, as I do a couple of days a week still. I'm in uh, Roancesvale,
0: High Park area on the west side of Toronto. Excellent. Now, is there an owner office and post-COVID, is your team working from the office or from home? And obviously you obviously are today, or are you in a hybrid situation? Yeah, we work on a hybrid
1: arrangement. Uh, typically, we're in the office three days a week. Uh, we have an office that's just south of the financial core. So we're at um, Bay in Queens Quay in the, the RBC Water Park building. So not a bad location to have an office because we can see out over the lake and, and the islands. But uh, we're, we're flexible. I think the important thing for me as a leader is, is the job getting done. And whether it's getting done in the office or at home, I, I'm open-minded. But there's definitely some value in being together in the office. That's why I find three days in, two days at home is a nice balance of heads down, quiet time working from home. Three days of busy collaborative
0: meetings in the office. And it seems to be working well for us. I think you got to figure it out. I'm jealous. If you got some time right on the water with your colleagues, and then you got some time in your own workspace, great, good for you. Now, let's start off with a triple-barreled question that can serve as an overview. What is Owner? What is RBCX? And what is the relationship between the two? Sure. I'll start with Owner,
1: um, which is where, where I'm really running the operations as CEO of Owner. So I describe Owner as really an entrepreneurship platform. And what that means is, our core service is helping entrepreneurs register or incorporate a new business, and that's you know really what people will come to us. We're the market leader in business formation for small business owners in Canada. But I think the mission goes a little beyond that. We we provide ongoing support to help entrepreneurs succeed, and that's where we're really growing the business and turning the focus. So on um, there's different tiers, different levels of service about um, that ongoing support that will help entrepreneurs succeed. The most common one is simply focused on some of the legal bookkeeping type things like keeping your corporation compliant with the government, resolutions. You know, as you mentioned, I'm a former lawyer, so I'm not going to bore your listeners with too much detail, but the thing is entrepreneurs and small business owners don't want to deal with some of the uh, minute book record keeping that's still required of a corporation, but entrepreneurs want to be focused on building and operating their business. So the short answer is owner helps make that a reality. We handle the boring legal compliance issues for small business owners so they can focus on uh, really doing what they do best, growing and succeeding as as business owners. So Owner was spun up initially within RBC and the branch of the bank that created this venture was uh, formerly called RBC Ventures. Now it's been rebranded as RBCX, but it really is the innovation and tech-driven branch of the bank where new things are happening and new technologies are being developed and uh, branched out where new businesses are being built. So it's an exciting part of a very large organization to work in. But that's where Owner is situated in RBCX, which is that side of, of the bank.
0: Now, Shane, as a longtime entrepreneur myself, I laughed when I read your slogan, which I think is just perfect. You don't say make small business easy with Owner. You say, make small business less hard. Talk to that distinction because under no circumstances is running a small business easy. That's exactly it. And running a small business is never the same from one entrepreneur to another.
1: I think every entrepreneur is on kind of a a distinct journey. So you can't really say that you're going to make it easy. There's The one thing that might hold, hold everything in common is that there's no easy path. But there are ways of making it less hard or less daunting. And uh, frankly, to give entrepreneurs more confidence to build that business and to succeed, I'm I'm super passionate about encouraging people to jump into entrepreneurship. There's so many people out there. You know, we we often internally refer to them as the dreamers. They're these people who have always thought about starting a business, but have never quite built up the confidence to make that plunge. So, of course, we're here to make it less hard, but also less daunting and less scary to start a business. I think we need more entrepreneurs. We need more independent business owners. So that's kind of like less hard is the best way we can encapsulate what we can do for for our uh, users and to to frankly be honest
0: about what's, what's coming up for anyone who's running a small business. Well, please define what an entrepreneur is these days. We talk about entrepreneurs in general, but the latest lingo includes micropreneurs and solopreneurs. What are these subgroups of entrepreneurs and what type of entrepreneurs are you interested in reaching?
1: It's a really good question because I think entrepreneur is a big, you know, blanket term we use. And frankly, it can often often be a mindset too. You know, there are entrepreneurial doctors and entrepreneurial lawyers and engineers, even in the traditional you know, yeah, industries, you see entrepreneurial being thrown out as a way of looking at legacy yeah, industries too. So Entrepreneurs can include a lot of things. What we're interested in is really our focus is the earliest, earliest stage of businesses, helping people get started. So that can include, you know, micro businesses, micro entrepreneurs. I'm I'm really tired of hearing the buzzword of side hustle because I do It's almost a little little demeaning Sometimes what people are aspiring to do, often it starts as a side hustle because the ambition is to grow it into a full time job, and they're just starting at a. A rational, kind of conservative way, uh, hedging their bets a little bit, but that's probably another tension I could go on. Solopreneurs, you mentioned, which is really interesting to me and something I, I end up speaking about a lot these days because it's easier than ever to run a business by yourself. You don't need to start a business with a whole team of you know support staff and admin functions. Like you can automate more than ever, and there's really good tools out there for everything from bookkeeping, accounting payroll. All this stuff can be uh, managed easier than, than before. So I think solopreneur is a, a particularly interesting subcategory of entrepreneur because solopreneur used to mean small and maybe lacking in ambition. And now solopreneur to me, to me means really resourcefulness and uh, ingenuity to to go, go at scale without incurring a whole lot of costs of, of hiring a big team. And how do you define micropreneurs? Is that different? Yeah, micropreneur or yeah, micro business could be you know, anyone who's just starting with a particularly small business. And again, I, I wouldn't box that in and relate that to their ambition. It could just be they're they're starting with something, testing the market, and then growing it. Or it could be you know, the person who's got a, a nine to five job and does want to have just a supplement to their income through a through a small business. So again, sometimes these categories, uh, if we look at them too strictly. We might be oversimplifying it. People can start small with big ambitions. they could start small because they just want to supplement their income. could be a passion project. but we're you know we're seeing so many different types of entrepreneurs might be the best way to look at it. so they're they're all starting from somewhere though and what I really want owner to be is the first resource that uh, entrepreneurs come to when they say, you know I've made that decision I'm going to start a business all right owner's there and we've got a range of services that can help you to get get that
0: dream started and turn it into a bit of a reality now in the past entrepreneurs were encouraged to physically sit down with an actual lawyer to get started and ensure all the proper paperwork was done correctly are you saying lawyers are no longer needed in the process or are you just simplifying the process
1: I'm always a little bit torn because as you said at the start, I am uh, a trained lawyer and I practiced as a commercial lawyer for six years in private practice after law school before I went off and and started a business. So I'm adamantly passionate about the fact that lawyers can add value, but they can add value for specific needs at specific times. They don't necessarily need to be the solution for everything. So a lawyer... Is going to help you when you need a lawyer, but it doesn't mean that any issue that is legal in nature necessarily needs to be solved by a lawyer. So just to be really clear, Owner is not a law firm. We're a technology company, um, but we help with tasks that might have traditionally been done by lawyers in part. But the reality for early stage small business owners was they've always been doing a lot of this themselves. It speaks to the ingenuity of, of entrepreneurs that to incorporate a business, for example, some entrepreneurs would absolutely go to a a corporate lawyer, a business-centered lawyer, and say, how do I incorporate? From my experience, that is the minority. The majority of entrepreneurs, and I've talked to thousands of them by now, the majority would say, I'm going to figure this out. And they'll go on websites, and they'll read about how do I incorporate a business, and they'll get it done. The problem with doing it themselves, of course, without any support, is they're not Legal experts—they don't necessarily know if it was done correctly, and a lot of the time, it could be done with errors. So, owner is allowing entrepreneurs to do it themselves, but it's tech-enabled and makes sure that they're not making mistakes. So, again, it's setting them up for success. If if someone is not comfortable with that, of course, then they should go to a lawyer and and incur the cost, and they'll feel more com- com- confident with that. As people are more, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about bookkeeping and payroll and other tools that are now automated through technology incorporation can be one more of those things the the routine filing of documents with the government that can be automated and that's what we do at owner so i think i would just tell every entrepreneur to assess their comfort level and and speak to lawyers when they need to but for some of this routine uh work uh i hope i'm not going to get myself in too much trouble by revealing a secret but a lot of what corporate lawyers do at that stage of a business is copying and pasting from one client file to another because There's not that much different in the legal needs, whether you're starting a bakery, a roofing service, a retail store, you're starting a small business, you need to get incorporated. The difference and the legal subtleties are going to come up as you grow and and develop that business, not necessarily
0: on day one. Well, it's a great point. It can be quite daunting when you're starting up to recognize what things you might be able to do yourself versus you need a professional for. And in your experience, what generally are the main Practical things an entrepreneur needs to do when starting up a new business.
1: A, a lot of it starts, you know, with just figuring out payroll and and bookkeeping practices. Um, incorporation plays a role in it. Often, if you're looking to grow your business, it's better to set that corporation up immediately. Some people are inclined to wait and then then incorporate, but. If you think you're going to invest a lot of your time and resources, set up a corporation, get a clean bank account. So a new bank account that's solely dedicated to the business. So you're not mixing your funds from personal to business, you know, get to get a bookkeeping process in place, use you know, what, whatever software does the job. They're all pretty good at this point for small businesses. And just devote that time to sort of be infrastructure of your business. Again, you're not going to need to go and hire a bookkeeper, an accountant, a lawyer, and everyone else, but you're going to need to make sure you have some solutions in place for your finances to keep track of it. At some point, you're going to be filing taxes. So to make sure that you're in a place where you're not always cleaning up the mess you made earlier, set it up properly from the start. And it's not that expensive that any any entrepreneur can figure out how to set these things up
0: through technology. And you'll frankly just be in a better position in the long run. Now, you must come across this sentiment from entrepreneurs all the time. Oh, I'm not a corporation. I don't need all that quote unquote stuff. I'm just a small business. How do you respond?
1: It's a valid point. I think there's something to be said for keeping it simple. And I always understand if people kind of push back a little bit and say, wait a minute, corporation, the word itself has always been kind of associated with like, Big multinational corporations. So it comes down to a little bit of education on what what is a corporation and why would you need one. Without giving a you know, law school type answer, you know that, that it comes down to what what's the liability in your business, like what's the level of risk you're facing, both personally in terms of like the, the amount of money you're putting into the business and also the the nature of your industry if you're doing roofing, for example, and you've hired some people to do roofing, uh, there's a whole lot of ways that bi- that business can incur liability from injuries to your staff to damaging property. So uh, a corporation is going to help uh, limit your liability and alleviate some of the personal risk you're taking on. And the second category to be really a high level here is about taxes. Eventually, you're going to find some tax savings through a corporate structure It might not be in year one, but at some point it it will be advantageous for you to have a corporation for tax reasons. So why not set yourself up for both to alleviate some of the personal risk and to incur tax advantages, get that done early on. So that's, that's the way I kind of explain it to entrepreneurs in terms of, yeah, you don't need to be building a multinational corporation to incorporate, but even the smallest of business will find some advantages, which surely, uh, Justifies the
0: the little little amount of work it takes to set up a corporation. Now, another sentiment you must come across is that it takes a huge financial investment in order to start and grow a new business. Is that necessarily the case today?
1: Not at all. It really just depends on what you want to build and what you want to achieve. You know, there's tons of examples of very successful businesses that have bootstrapped. And I mean, and I don't mean just like small neighborhood stores that have bootstrapped i mean there are are successful tech companies that have managed to build just based on the revenue they're bringing in so you know maybe if we were talking maybe five years ago or something there was really this sense of just like raise money raise money raise money because it takes tons of money to make money i'm happy to see that there's a there's been a mentality shift among even the the tech focused startup world saying there's you need value in uh building a kind of a revenue-generating business and growing off that revenue. So I, I think the the idea that you need massive investment to grow a successful business in any industry has kind of been debunked at this point. But I think I've always just like, well, be realistic about your ambitions. Uh, are you just trying to make a, a better living for yourself or are you trying to you know, build the empire? Uh, what, it, it's going to take a different approach uh, for, uh, for either one, but it doesn't always mean that step one is is raising money and it also doesn't mean and i think this point doesn't get thrown out enough is that entrepreneurship isn't just for like the the wealthy or the uh or the sons and daughters of the wealthy i mean it's much easier to, to start a business if you have you know, your parents throwing throwing money at you or or the, the uh the, the rich uncle or anything but it's it's just not the reality i mean there's there's lots of ways that you can start a business
0: with with um, without a ton of uh, financial capital behind you. Well, on that, Shane, I've got two facts for you. Fact number one, we are in the golden age of entrepreneurship. There has never been an easier time in the history of the world to start your own business. But fact number two is that if you do start a new business, there is an 80% chance it will fail in the first five years. How do you reconcile these two facts? It's tough. We're circling back a little bit to making small
1: business less hard and the reality that most small businesses don't succeed. So we have have to break down a little bit. Why do small businesses fail? I mean, some of them are perhaps doomed to fail because they weren't planned out from day one. There wasn't enough thought put into like, is this a sustainable business or is this someone, you know, a passion project or a hobby that um, that would never be sustainable from the start? So there are those. Um, I, I wouldn't say that there's, Necessarily, that many that are just doomed to fail. I think small businesses are particularly susceptible to changes in the economy. If you are running your business on a very tight budget, and uh, a global pandemic breaks out, you know there's uh, there's things that are a little bit out of your control. And if you, you know, um, if you're a massive company, you've probably got resources to ride the storm a little bit more than a, a small business does. But so. I, I try to think of what can we do to make small businesses more successful given those daunting statistics. The first thing is why it's true. This is the golden age of entrepreneurship because of how easy it's become. So rather than just being easy to start the business, maybe making it easier to succeed or bringing resources that will make entrepreneurs more successful is is part of the, the mission there. So we're putting a lot of thought into the planning process of, of, of starting a small business. What resources can we provide to you know uh, help small businesses project fi- financial break even points or uh, or you know anything around like the sales mix or the sa- or the sales process that they'll be undertaking? If we can provide some guidance there on the strategy that's going to make them successful and help them plan that out. I think good planning and a good uh, view of the future some, some some small businesses just don't have the luxury now to, to really map that out fully and might not have a ton of financial knowledge. So giving I'm giving a lot of thought these days into like those sorts of tools, I think we can increase the number of small businesses that are successful, but it's uh, it's never gonna be easy. Yeah, starting a small business is tough. So so I I I I I hear the statistics too. And I think if there's some way we can chip away at that, we're we're doing we're doing good work. Absolutely
0: takes hard work and a bit of luck to be a success. Now, Shane, newcomers to Canada see entrepreneurship as a path to financial independence. How do you tap into the customer stream provided by immigrants with the drive and passion to start their own business? We see that a lot at Owner. A huge percentage of our users now, and we've uh, we've set up
1: over 135,000 Canadian businesses. So you know, we're we're seeing this uh, the impact of immigration on our business directly, and that people coming to Canada. Often have um, you know skills, even certifications in certain industries or trades that they can't get into in Canada, which is a whole whole other problem. But we see very uh, capable people who come here with uh, you know engineering degrees, medical degrees, whatever it is, and and feeling blocked out from those industries. So then they they say, "Well, the way I'm going to survive in Canada is to start uh, start a business." So we love to see that. Um, I think it's it speaks to how you build a product too that that works for entrepreneurs from all around the world and and makes these uh, the concepts of incorporation and the other services we provide we try to make it as simple to understand for people without a legal background without a canadian legal background to know why they need to use us but uh, overall getting back to your question with immigration like it's uh you know canada needs uh entrepreneurs meaning we, we need people to take on that, that That risk and the, the daunting statistics of small business failure and say, "I'm still going to go for it." So uh, absolutely. Uh, you know I don't have the statistics in front of me, but we are seeing a ton of the uh, users that owner our recent immigrants who are pursuing that dream of starting a small business in Canada. and uh, I, I think we
0: all we all benefit from that directly, and, and we see it in our neighborhoods because you have your ear so close to the ground, so to speak. I want to ask you about any Canadian entrepreneurship trends that you can identify. And actually, I'm going to go first because I think the perception of being an entrepreneur has changed. It's a lot more valid today than it used to be as a profession, so to speak.
1: Yeah, that, that's a really important one. I, I think uh, there was a time where you know, there was like the, the prodigal sons and daughters were the ones that went off into the traditional industries. And and entrepreneurship was sort of for someone who couldn't get into one of those industries. But now it's almost like the first choice and people coming out of university saying, you know, I can always go back and go to law school, medical school. I can always do something like that, but I'm going to take my shot. And the shot is at at building a business. So seeing that one directly and, and super excited about it. The other trend came to mind when we spoke about it a little bit earlier was uh, more and more solopreneurs with a sort of uh, with an ambition that uh, that maybe I know we've always seen people start one person businesses, but now it's really I'm going to start this myself, and I'm going to be very res- resourceful about figure how I can scale this on my own before bringing more people in. So uh, really bootstrapped, small scale in terms of the initial investment, but also uh, at the same time an ambition to grow that business beyond one person but not on not on day one so still very excited about the uh,
0: ambitious solopreneurs and to see where they can take their business if you're enjoying this toronto legends interview with shane murphy please check out the more than 200 additional episodes available anytime we got wes hall mark cohan steve pakin bob ray and dr brian goldman how they did it directly from the toronto legends themselves All episodes available 24-7, 365, wherever you get your podcasts. Or go to torontolegends.ca. Shane, let's please go all the way back. Get the Shane Murphy story. You are not a native Torontonian. How about a brief synopsis of your background? I'm originally from Calgary.
1: was born and raised there. And I ended up in Toronto really kind of as a a victim of economic circumstances. I I moved... um, to Toronto initially in two thousand and eight. And my I was at that time I was just in law school in Montreal, uh, where where I'd moved and was studying law at McGill. And my whole plan was to go to New York after I graduated and get a job in, in New York. I think I was you know, just it was just kind of a dream of like, it'll be great to go live live in the Big Apple and be a deal lawyer there after I graduate. Uh unfortunately, as we know, it's September Two thousand and eight was when the global financial crisis really hit, which was exactly the week that I was scheduled to do interviews in in New York. uh Lehman Brothers had collapsed, and uh and I realized there there were no jobs as a budding young lawyer in New York at that time. No one was hiring for anything, and um, I just kind of said, "Well, okay, that dream is gone." I, I liked Montreal, but I kind of knew it wasn't where I was going to start my career. So then I uh, I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I said, "Well, Toronto's just down the road. I'll uh, I'll go to go to Toronto and find a job there, and that's where I started articling. At um, articling is like your first year out of law school when you're kind of a trainee lawyer. It was at a firm called Bennett Jones in Toronto. Then after that, I went went to a a, a smaller firm focused on litigation. But um, to get back to Toronto, I I've always been so glad that I ended up here and it, it has very much become my home there's something about um kind of the ambition i found in toronto and when I, even when i started thinking about my life after a lawyer and i got really excited about founding a business um i realized that there was so much action and ambition and positivity in toronto uh, that i thought this is definitely where i'm going to stay whether i'm a lawyer or an entrepreneur this is the place i want to be i love that i've stayed in canada and Still found this sense of both community, but people who were very excited about doing big things. So that's it. Now, early 2024,
0: and this is absolutely my home. And I'm I'm very happy to be to be here in Toronto. I have to say that's a first that someone came to Toronto as a victim of financial circumstances. It's usually the other way around. <laughs> it, it was a strange time for sure. I didn't really know what what I was getting myself. Now, Shane, in 2017, you launched a startup called Founded Technologies. This was an all-in-one technology platform that allowed businesses to automate legal tasks, such as incorporations, equity management, legal agreements. It turned out that you had a competitor called Owner being run by a very small off-the-radar enterprise known as the Royal Bank of Canada. You started handling the backroom technology infrastructure for Owner, which again was the RBCX company, which was your competitor. And then in 2020, RBCX acquired and folded your founded technologies into owner. Please share the story of being acquired by RBCX.
1: It was a very interesting journey in that we, we started as competitors uh, and without even really knowing it, it was just we, we wanted to build a company that focused on basically what we're still doing today, new businesses. But I think at founded, we were focused a little more on later stage businesses and Automating slightly more complicated legal needs, but an owner was very focused on on early stage businesses. But yeah, it was a classic case of if you can't beat them, join them. At, even and that was that was really even on day one. It was we saw that we were competing with them, and the fact is we had more technology than they would built. They they were they had the resources to have a huge team doing. Basically, kind of old-fashioned paperwork, and we we built some automation technology. We had um, expertise on on the legal side, so it w- it was a really good partnership, even as we were competitors on the surface. When we developed our licensing agreement with them, and we're doing some work with them, it was it was it was good for our business as a startup, and we were helping them. But jumping ahead, after we partnered for a couple of years, we were you know the pandemic hit, and then there was such a surge of demand for this type of service that um, we, we were both sort of benefiting from this wave of people starting businesses at home, people looking for online solutions for, for incorporation. So we, we had to just have an honest conversation. Like, are we, what's the long-term vision here? Are we always going to half compete, half cooperate? And then it, you know, the, came down to the the rational thing to do is for RBC and owner to acquire, founded, merged the two companies together and and set us off on a, a joint mission. And that was three years ago. I've I'm still here and now I've taken over as the CEO of of Owner. Part of the deal was that we kept the name Owner and as we merged it. But uh, so so that's it. I've I've been now in the, the CEO role uh for about seven or eight months. And uh prior to that I was the the chief operating officer after we we merged the entities. So So, yeah, it's it's an interesting acquisition story, but I think it really did work
0: out well for for both sides. It's a a successful acquisition for both parties, for sure. Now, Shane, when you started your own small business back in 2017, I bet the last thing you thought you'd find yourself doing was working for Canada's largest bank. This has to be the dictionary definition of working for the man. Is this not hypocrisy at its worst, Shane? (laughs)
1: it's certainly unexpected. And uh, all I can really say about that is when you start a business, it's a journey. Uh, You don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves. And you really have to be open-minded about everything and try to meet everyone along the way. Uh, If when we started the the business, we were focused on legal tasks. If I ever, if you ever said, like, who would acquire the business, I would never have mentioned RBC. But they, they saw this Connection between new businesses. New businesses need to get incorporated. After they get incorporated, they need a bank account. They need banking services. It makes so much sense to situate this business within a bank. I didn't really think of it that way when I started. So I think a lot of businesses, if they're being honest, uh, once they're acquired, they'll say, yeah, they didn't foresee that um, the value driver that they ended up exiting on um, because it's, it wasn't always clear on day one. So I think, yeah, it speaks to the journey you have to have to accept and, the, and be de- open-minded about opportunities. Am I working for the man? Yeah, I guess, I guess I did so to the man. Um, but, <laughs> but the good thing is I still genuinely do what I love and I'm focused on a segment, uh, of entrepreneurs that I love servicing. So I feel like I've, I've found a compromise. We still try to keep a lot of this startup energy. That's why we have our own brand as owner and, uh, and everything. But yeah, yeah the reality is we are, definitely part of Canada's largest bank
0: and uh, driving a lot of value to it. On that note, how have you personally transitioned to running your business under RBCX ownership? It has to have been a bit of a culture shock, to say the least. There's definitely a,
1: a mixture of things. The The resources we're given now are way larger than the resources we had as a startup. So, there's a huge advantage in the the resources we're given. In terms of compliance risk mitigation uh things like that yes there are way more formal processes there's the hoops we have to jump through uh as part of a regulated financial institution that we were immune from as a small startup so you you absolutely have to adjust but i I started the startup founded with uh, two co-founders and then we built the team from there and even in that environment like there's a lot of compromises that have to Taken. Like it's it wasn't just one person dictating the vision and the strategy. It was always a, a bit of give and take, even in a small company, with co-founders. So that give and take survives. Now there's different stakeholders. And this is happens with the as a business as business matures in any place. We now have we compromise with the bank, which is effectively our number one investor. And then we we compromise with my senior management team too, and this the steps we take. So there's always going to be compromise, and uh, I'm I'm super grateful for the the resources which have allowed us to get scale and to serve those 135,000 businesses. But yeah, it, it comes with a, a,
0: a trade off of a, a larger, complex organization. You never know where the journey is going to take you, and you got to go along to get along. So it's great. That's the a fun part. Yeah. I got a personal question for you here, Shane. Now, you invested a lot of time and money into your own education. Not only do you have multiple degrees, but as noted, you're a trained, certified, and experienced lawyer. Did your parents freak out when you shifted to starting your own business and stopped practicing law? Yes. Yes. I can give you an unequivocal yes, they freaked out.
1: <laughs> you know, I I think there's something to be said for any parent. They, when they have a lawyer in the family. It's always... Like, it's just so easy for them to explain when they're talking to their friends. Like, well, what's that son up to? Oh, he's, a, he's a lawyer in Toronto. And they're sitting there, like, well, very good. It was very hard for them to understand or explain the the leap I'd taken from like the, the easiest thing to explain in the world to I was sort of, you know, building a technology company that was going to sort of automate some things. And they're going to sell it to small business owners. Uh, you know, they, they just were, they, they were wondering. What is this, and how could this possibly be more interesting and uh, and potentially more lucrative than uh, than being a lawyer? And I, I, I you know, I, I struggled to explain that. Of course, now we all laugh about it because it, it worked out well. But um, I'm not saying they were they weren't supportive. I, I'm lucky to too have a supportive family, but also, yeah, they were they were wondering what I was thinking at many points the, <laughs> over the course of the journey.
0: Well, I hope it was a soft landing because presumably you have RBC somewhere on your business card or you could show them that and they'll feel more comfortable. Exactly. I think they're, I think they're okay with it now in retrospect. Shane, do you want to give a shout out
1: to your burgeoning music career? Well, I wish I was doing more music, but I, I did play a lot of music as a younger person growing up in, in Calgary and uh, played all over western canada a few trips across canada and into the states uh most of the music is totally unlistenable and uh <laughs> a reflection of my 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 wild youth uh and uh grew up in in a world of of punk rock uh in western canada which is a whole other story and probably a whole other podcast but uh still i play music all the time in my basement and with with friends but Currently, not a whole lot going on musically, although it's something I'm still quite passionate about. So we
0: shouldn't be looking for okay. you playing live at any clubs in Toronto.
1: Wish I could say it was going to happen, but nothing, nothing on the radar. But if I, if I find the time in 2024, I would, I would
0: love to say I'm going to reboot my music career. You never know where that next career transition is coming from. Exactly. As we close up, what is next for Shane Murphy and what is next for Owner? I think with owner, it really is
1: uh, going back to adding features and services that make entrepreneurs more successful. So we're always asking ourselves, what's the next question an entrepreneur is going to have in their journey that we can be the answer to? Uh, In 2023, our big highlight of the year was adding insurance to owner. So after you incorporate, you can purchase a small business insurance policy directly from your owner account. The reason we did that was because we realized after they'd incorporated, after they'd opened a bank account, they asked themselves, well, do I need to insure this? And where do I insure it? There's not, it's not easy to find small business insurance. So that was our highlight of 2023. and I'm not going to get ahead of myself with 2024 product announcements, but it is a matter of asking ourselves those questions. What's the next question and how can the answer to it be the owner? So, so deep in that thought process right now. And personally, for myself, I think you know I, I'm in a very fortunate position to uh, to run this organization within an organization and have roughly 80 people working with me who've devoted their their career and and their time. And I really want to be a better advocate for them. I want to you know, represent that team and uh, kind of let the world know the great work they're doing. So I think in my professional journey, that's sort of a huge responsibility I take seriously is that I, I I need to be an advocate for my people and uh, they're, they're doing great work for me. So I kind of ensuring that and challenging myself to be, to be an advocate, but also to have a lot of fun. I, I think there's times where I get a little heads down and uh, caught up in the details and also for, for this year, I really have made a commitment that I'm going to embrace the privilege of running this company and, and have fun along the way while I'm rooting for my team. I love it.
0: Teamwork makes the dream work, as they say. That's what they say. Where can we best follow you and where can we best follow Owner? Yeah,
1: Owner, the best thing to follow Owner is actually our owner blog. Um, I know probably a blog sounds uh, like it can only be so exciting, but I promise you, uh, our, our blog is a huge resource for entrepreneurs. So anyone interested in starting a business uh, should take a look at the content we've put up at the so, go to ownr.co and then click the links to the blog. Promise there's a ton of, of great resources there. As for me, I'm, I'm not a huge uh, social media type person, honestly. So there's, so, there's not a great place. I guess i you know, I'm always happy to connect with entrepreneurs on LinkedIn, especially ones based in Toronto. I feel like there is an ecosystem of small business owners in Toronto that I'm glad to be a part of. So, so LinkedIn's probably the best place if you want to. Periodically put my thoughts there, but I can't. I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver because I'm.
0: Uh, social media is not my strong point. I'll get. I'll, I'm self-aware enough to know that. Well, I think what you're doing is great. I've been there. I've done that as an entrepreneur with small business, and I just thinking having more resources is always better. So I think you're on the right track, and I want to wish you continued success. Appreciate that, Andrew. Been great talking to you. It was my pleasure to have you. And to the listeners, on behalf of Shane Murphy, I am Andrew Applebaum saying thanks for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends Podcast.
1: or sexy. Catch us on on the the Dean Dean Blundell Network Network. or on our YouTube channel
0: or wherever you get your podcasts. Because Because
1: democracy democracy, is something something you do. do.
0: Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga,